Well, thanks for tuning in again, and today's episode is about Colorado, which, looking back at this point, was a social experiment kind of gone awry, and it uh, it it was about a mm, six, seven-month experiment and kind of a social depravity, um, functionality, sociolo- sociological norms and how we break them, um, how we adapt. Um, but where it all started was where I had left off back when I left school. So at this point, I'm in Sacramento and I'm busting tables for a salad place. It was all salad. They, I don't know if they have this place anymore. It's called Fresh Choice. But all it was was a mile-long salad like buffet with every variety of lettuce and soup and bread. And uh, But it was all, if I remember correctly, it was uh, primarily vegetarian. And by that I mean... You like I I recall people coming in and you know just blurting out, "Don't you all got a ham in here?" And there was no ham. So uh, I had spent uh, the first I'd say month bussing tables, and I got uh, I don't know I I started getting along with um, this older woman Sandy. And, um, again, this is a great, a great example of nominative determinism because I think every Sandy is the same, um, aside from any fictional version. It's, uh, if you're a Sandy, you're all, Sandy is kind of like, well, this is what this Sandy was. She was an endearing type, but a, and a motherly type, but also a very rough around the edges type had some kind of, there was a certain appeal and we hit it off. And I think she, I don't know, thought I was awkward because I was, I mean, I'm 21 years old and, uh, she was, uh, she was like, she was also a busser, but kind of like the manager of like the crew and she would hustle and make pretty good money on tips and I was horrible so I almost got fired and ultimately I had a I guess some would say a lateral movement to the soup kitchen so I became in uh, charge of all the soups um, and turns out I had a knack for soups I don't know that chef's apron just kind of brought something out in my uh my genetic code, if you will. But, um, so I'd spent about what, four or five months there. And, um, and I remember, I remember my buddies, my call, my, at this point now, you know, if I got, I got three years of college under my belt. And so these guys are coming and going through, um, Sacramento on their way to, on the way home, on the way back up to school, for spring breaks, for vacations, for you know summer when it's out, when school's out, and um, 
all of a sudden, okay, so I'm living in, um, well, at this point, uh, I don't have a, yeah, no, I don't have a car. Matter of fact, I used to walk everywhere. And before I got the condominium, or the townhouse, rather, uh, it was a little rough because I would stay at Sandy's a lot. And she lived way across town. So I would have to hoof my ass in that direction if she didn't come get me or what have you. Uh, It got to the point where when I didn't want to eat salad for lunch or soup that um, I remember going out to a wiener schnitzel, which was in the same parking lot. Uh, which is still there, oddly enough. The Wiener Schnitzel is still there, uh, but Fresh Choice isn't. And but without having a car, uh, this was like, gosh, I think I, I think we closed that evening, so it was late. So it was after nine, and so the the only thing open was the drive-through at this point. It, was, it may be even later, like ten. So I literally walked through a drive-through. I walked through and jumped up and down on the little, the little cord that kind of alerts the staff that there's somebody in the drive-thru and yeah and I walked through a drive-thru and uh so that I could have a 10 p.m lunch so then so when we got okay so when we ended up getting the townhouse um that's when I met her brother and her brother was Charlie who is uh, he was a, I think he was 20. I think he was a year younger than me. Maybe even two years, 19 or 20. But, uh, he was a stepbrother. And, but they treated each other like brother, sister, like as if they, they were, and they were primarily raised together. But, uh, but he had a, he definitely had a temper. Like I say, he would, uh, come home at night. I mean, after, after midnight with a broken pool cue in his hand and, uh, you know, breathing heavy and, uh, you know, with a little sweat coming off his shirt. And, uh, so you knew something went down, but the guy was funnier than hell and we ended up hitting it off as well. So there was the three of us and, uh, I had my room upstairs and, um, but I remember I started getting calls and then the guys, as they were coming through, for um oh god at this point it had to have been spring break they were uh i don't know if they were recruited i they must have been recruited by my dad cuz my dad was a builder and he was in colorado already with my cousin and my uncle the three of them were framing houses um there was uh this was 93 so at this point, I had, uh, let's see, just after March, just before I turned 22, these guys were all getting alerted by my dad, being recruited, being talked into um, going out to Colorado to build houses, which sounds sounds really um, adventurous and enticing, but... The problem is I knew the re- I knew the reality of it because I grew up building framing houses, doing concrete, doing some form of 
trade. Uh, my dad was a builder. He was a, you know, he did, he was a general contractor. So he did a little bit of everything, but most summers I could be found, um, framing houses somewhere around town, uh, maybe up in Oroville, California, you know, pouring, you know, 1100 cubic miles of concrete in the hot Orville sun with the locals, uh, and, uh, running into, you know, that cast of crazies up there in Oroville, boy, they had, uh, this one particular guy, I remember my dad hired this one guy who was, uh, telling us how he took an aluminum baseball bat to the back of the head at a party. And the significant part was the emphasis on him mentioning that he hadn't gone down. He didn't go down. So that's the kind of element you got, you know, in this, in this kind of trade. And it is what it is. But getting back to the generational gap, you know, that's, that is the difference. That is the gap. That is the, you know, the difference between a bunch of scrawny runners looking to go to Colorado thinking they're going to build houses versus the guy that took an aluminum baseball bat to the back of the head and didn't go down. Uh, I wish I could remember his name, but, um, I mean, you can just picture him, I'm sure. But uh, hard, hard worker, hard, strong guy, obviously. And uh, uh, he, I think he had a soft spot for us too on, you know, on the back of his head. So moving on, I started getting calls from my buddies saying that they're going to Colorado. They're going to Colorado as soon as school's out. So here I am in March. It's spring. Sun's out. Now, all of a sudden, my dad starts kind of leaning on me and telling me, hey, you want to come out and build houses and kind of Help me be, I guess, a f- foreman in the loosest terms. And I think I turned it down originally. I didn't want to do that, you know. I just put three years of school under my belt. I'm trying. I'm looking at my options. I'm not to, to take anything away from being a builder, um, but I just uh, it wasn't in my radar. So. So that being said, I think I initially turned it down, but but when the when the whole opportunity kind of presented itself in a wider in a wider possibility to my buddy Charlie among among my other friends and we're talking like we're talking my buddy Jim with the Honda Civic full of uh full of uh you know sand half of clam beach up in trinidad uh driving around um my buddy john uh my buddy rob my buddy mike uh gosh my buddy raj who i had known since i was six years old i'd gone to school gone to every uh, preschool, pre-college school with him. And, um, he was probably, probably one of the more mature of this whole gaggle of freaks, this rogues gallery. Um, but they, they were 
spring loaded. Um, there's also Phil. I remember Phil being out there. And so what had happened was I ultimately got pried loose from being in Sacramento. I was really, it was almost mandated. It was kind of what you do. You just, that's what you do. All right, so I'm going to do this. Okay, Charlie and I are going to go out there. Okay, we're going to go to Colorado. Okay. And he had his little, he had a little Nissan pickup that he tooled around with and, uh, you know, mad dog people and, um, you know, went to pool halls. And I, oh, let's see, what did I, I didn't have anything. Yeah, I still didn't have a car. So, so we took his truck and we headed for Colorado. Well, at the time, my dad had blown a disc out in his back and had back surgery. So he was back and forth from Colorado. And by the time that he and Charlie and I had left, we, um, let's see, we all, all was out there was my uncle because my cousin who had been out there for the last X amount of months, uh, I think he kind of, you know, decided this situation wasn't really, wasn't really working out for him. Uh, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know the circumstance. It was that was between them, and uh, so he he had left as well, and uh, so so it's just my my uncle out there, and he can't build houses by himself. So so now all of a sudden, Charlie and I are we're headed east, and uh, we're headed for Denver. And what happens, the, the, the day we get into Denver, we're at the hotel, we, we get into the hotel, there's my Uncle Don, I hadn't seen my Uncle Don in, God, decades, it seemed like, and, uh, but he looked the same, he was, Don is um, yet another example of nominative determinism, Don is what you would think a Don would be, not a Donald, but he was a Donald, but he's but everybody knew him as Don. And Don was that guy who grew uh, weed in his parents' attic um, and learned how to play Leonard Skinner on the acoustic guitar and, uh, you know, wore a lot of jean jackets and was just an all-around cool dude, just chill and uh, liked to smoke and liked to, uh, you know, had no issue with eating one of those f- hot dogs at the convenience store that the foam's bursting out of the end of um that was Don. Matter of fact he'd put chili on that bitch. Um so we get there, so it's me, Don, and Charlie, the three amigos. And uh if my memory serves me correct, the first night we were there, we ended up getting uh stupid drunk and which uh, I guess I'll warn you now, it was a recurrent pattern theme in my life that summer. This was prior to, okay, so this is prior to summer being let out, all the schools being let out for summer, that is. So my friends are just, they're chomping at the bit. They're out, they're up in the uh, the Humboldt Redwoods, taking their finals, taking their last exams for the year, and just pumped, pumped, uh, getting ready to jump into, 
into um, Jim's little sandmobile, the Honda Civic, and uh, and head out west. Meanwhile, Charlie and I are already there, and Don and Charlie and I, um, you know, by uh, by f- by ultimatum, by force, by mandate, by social um, sociological uh, specifications to this horrible and depraved experiment become the three amigos and what we're doing when we get there is they had just finished uh my dad my dad and my cousin and my uncle had built a custom home uh right across the street from scott hamilton um the uh, olympic figure skater and uh somewhere in the same neighborhood as uh i think john elway was he had his house was out around there so so we'd spend our 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 afternoons just kind of buttoning up loose ends on this custom home but that first night we went out to kind of i don't know christen the uh, summer to christen this whole journey and we got drunk and ultimately we ended up now here we go again with the generational gap. So back in the day, now they don't exist anymore, but Denny's, the wonderful franchise that is Denny's, used to have, not all of them, but some of them would have this uh, addition as part of their restaurant that was kind of sanctioned off on its own called the Rose Room. The Rose Room was a lounge. And that's where you could get really, you know, you could really knock back a few... And this particular night, they were doing karaoke. So we, and for for whatever reason, um, call it fate, call it destiny, we ended up in the Rose Room of a Denny's in Denver. Just, I, I could barely see straight. And if I remember right, we were, we were already near the hotel. So what we did is we ended up going into the Rose Room and ordering drinks, and it was mm, the type of crowd that would be at a Denny's at midnight in the Rose Room. On a, I think it was even a Sunday night, because the next morning was our f- inaugural day of work. So naturally, I'm going to put my name on that karaoke list, and I'm dragging Charlie up there with me. And um, so if you can picture a uh, six foot two skinny, 155 pound white guy and his Puerto Rican buddy with green eyes and a little barrel chest and little skinny arms um, standing about five foot six, get up there and just start knocking out twist and shout. Oh, and I preempted that with a special shout out to the people of Denver, like literally like I'm Roger Daltrey, just swinging that mic and screaming at the top of my lungs. Hello, Denver. Before I went into a, uh, the opening chorus of, uh, the opening portion of twist and shout. So I would sing, shake it up, baby, now. And Charlie would go, shake it up, baby, because he was my backup singer, of course. But it was just so bombastically bad. I think that Charlie ended up, I think he, he, I think he 
bailed before the song was even over or or just kind of uh, just uh, bowed out of the whole spectacle I, I was in the zone though I was in the zone and promptly after that uh, I think we even did do a ditty there she was just walking down the street singing and then Charlie would jump in do a ditty ditty dum and you know you know you know what I'm talking about and and after we knocked those two gems out I promptly went straight to the bathroom and threw up all over it so so the following morning we uh well I'm hurting I am hurting and we are let's see now I think we've got my dad's pickup because he's still back in California recovering from back surgery and so the three of us basically are tooling across town through Denver going out to the uh, the custom home across the street from Scott Hamilton and uh, I feel like I'm gonna die and uh, in an effort to keep his cherubic frame intact, Charlie typically always had a bag of Fritos with him. So I was in the middle. I, there was the three of us. It was a, um, a bench seat situation. And I just recall having to vomit. But being in the middle between Charlie and Don, there was nowhere to go. There was absolutely nowhere to go. So I just simply grabbed his bag of Fritos and threw up in him. And that was kind of a bummer. But, but you know, I could tell he could appreciate the situation for what it was. And, uh, and he stepped up. I think I probably got him some more Fritos later on, too. But, uh, but if that was any indication, if that was any kind of, like, sign or kind of a foretelling a foreboding of what was to be expected that summer that would that would have been the that would have been the ultimate kind of uh alert mm, not red flag but alert the red flag is is too ominous because i we did have fun we did have fun it was barbaric i mean we didn't sleep a whole lot i'll tell you this whole experiment was uh again it wasn't by design but but what had happened was we were getting we were going to start getting work we were going to start building houses we were going to start framing subdivision houses and you get paid for what you accomplish um you know in my long history of uh, odd jobs and doing cabinets and selling cars and building houses it was always you just get paid what you accomplish you get paid what you you know you you eat what you kill and so we had a whole subdivision to kill and there was a whole band of brothers on their way out east headed for colorado in a sand-filled honda civic well my buddy john he had his toyota pickup it was a little four banger with uh i think it had I don't think it had a bench seat. I think they were bucket seats. And um, so this marauding band of yahoos that all came out from Humboldt, were, they were on their way. And we were, 
we were uh, we were staging the work. We were getting it ready, and it was going to be. It was it was coming together. It was getting it was getting ready. So, in the meantime, we had to rustle up a. Uh, well, first we had to get an apartment, and so we got the apartment, and it was a nice two bedroom, and then we. St- it was uh, at that point. Let's see. Yeah, that's right. We had just me, Charlie, Don, and then yeah, it might have been just the three of us for a little while right before we got the apartment because I don't remember Charlie being at the apartment too much. He may have been there the first week or two, but but lo and behold. We had our we had our apartment, and as the guys started showing up, things just started to take shape, and uh, so I'm gonna conclude today's episode with that's a just a little tease as far as what what kind of debauchery and um, just depraved human behavior uh, this forced social experiment came to be, and I think you're gonna laugh. I think you're gonna find it funny. And if you hit the subscribe button, you'll hear the next episode. I might be doing it tonight. I don't know. We'll figure it out. All right. Love you guys. Take care.